0: Welcome to The Laptop Lifestyle. I'm your host, Alexis Teichmiller, digital content creator for brands and companies and online entrepreneur. Whether you're running a business full-time, starting a side hustle, or just beginning to think about starting a business, you are in the right place. The Laptop Lifestyle is for you, the unconventional thinker, the person who isn't afraid to step outside of their comfort zone and pursue creativity over complacency. Each week, we will unlock how to build passionate online communities and thriving online businesses. All right, Laptop Lifestylers, let's jump in. Hello, my Laptop Lifestyle fam. It is your host, Alexis Miller and... First off, I just want to say thank you guys so much for clicking on this episode and having a listen. I know there are a lot of other podcasts out there and a lot of other things that you could be listening to. So I'm grateful for you listening today. And I want to introduce today's guest because he's a boss. He also happens to be one of my really good friends here in Nashville, and I'm low-key kind of obsessed with him. His name is Josh Durham. And Josh is a social entrepreneur that believes in creating change for good, which I love and can 100% stand behind. He's a CEO and co-founder of Waiting Comforts, which is a social enterprise weighted blanket company that intentionally employs refugees to help them integrate culturally. Weighted comforts, or weighted, the weighted blankets that they sell, are anywhere from 10 to 20 pounds, and these products help... Uh, people with PTSD and anxiety, sleep, and find rest. In college, Josh was leading digital marketing strategy sessions for Fortune 500 companies, which is crazy and amazing. And then after college, Josh scaled his company from 6 to 43 employees in just 7 months and took his business from 6 to 7 figures all before turning 23 years old. Josh is a massive inspiration to me. We talk about so many things on this podcast. Um, He actually came to my house and we got in my studio here in Nashville. So we're we're recording together, which is always more fun and lots of laughs and and good conversation. We chat about vulnerability which um, and, and how that shapes you as a leader. We talk about struggling with anxiety. We talk about the importance of community and how it shapes who we are. We talk about how Your business is only going to grow as big and as much as you do, and I love that conversation. Uh, There are so many great topics that we jump into in this episode, but before we dive in, I have a little favor to ask. Can you guys screenshot your podcast player right now and share it on Instagram? and Just tag me at Alexis Teichmiller, and and, uh, you can also tag Josh too. But I love connecting with you guys on Instagram. It's like my jam and that's where I honestly connect with all of you guys through DMs and we communicate back and forth. That's the whole reason that I launched and have this show is to connect with you guys, to connect with our Laptop Lifestylers. So if you guys can do me a favor, screenshot, share it, connect with me. I'd love to hear what you guys think of today's show. And without further ado, Josh Durham. What up, what up, Laptop Lifestylers? It is your host, Alexis Teichmiller here. And today on the podcast, I have one of my very, very, very dear friends with me here in Nashville. His name is Josh Durham, and he's been a friend of mine for the last couple of years. I've watched him grow as as a person. I've watched his business grow, and I'm super inspired to have him as a friend and really excited to have him on the show. Hey, Josh, what's going on?
1: Howdy, howdy, howdy. (laughs) Thanks for the kind introduction.
0: Of course. Of course. Well, I know a lot of things about you, but I know someone listening most likely doesn't. So Josh owns a really unique company called Waiting Comforts. And I just want to hear how you guys started that, what that whole process looks like. And then I do want you to put an emphasis on your age because I think it's really important and I think it'll inspire a lot of people.
1: Sure. So, waiting Comfort started about three years ago. I started it with my mom, who is a marriage and family therapist. And so, she had gone back to school and getting her master's in marriage and family therapy. um, And she made a weighted blanket for the counseling center there. And so, she would use the blanket for her most anxious clients. And basically, um, as soon as they'd use the blanket, they would calm down and they could regulate in their session, and so she told me about it, and I was like, "This sounds like a good idea." And I used the blanket, and the first time I used it, like I slept better than I had in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And so from then on, I was like, "This is amazing! Like I need to tell everyone about this." And so we partnered with Sew for Hope, which is a nonprofit here in Nashville, and so um, they teach refugees how to sew to provide income for their families. And so we basically partnered with them and hired their graduates. And basically now we provide paid English classes and a sustainable source of income for them. But back to my age, I'm 23 now. I just turned 23 in December. and So I started when I was a sophomore in college, uh, which is about three years ago.
0: And so you're a sophomore in college, you're running track full-time on scholarship, and you're running a business full-time. Tell me about it.
1: It was, (laughs) it was exhausting. (laughs) Um, Probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do because we were running the business out of my parents' garage for two years. And so, like, I would would get up at like 5 a.m., go to a track practice at 6 a.m., then go to class from like 8 to 3 or 8 to 4, come home and then like box blankets and like ship them out of my garage. And so, and like... To make things clear, these are like 10 to 20 pound blankets. These aren't like this isn't like a five pound blanket. And so I'm like deadlifting all, all these blankets at a time, basically getting a second workout in at home. But um, but yeah, that was extremely stressful and but really did like emphasize like time management. Yeah. For sure.
0: So at what point did you know that you wanted to grow this full time? Like you're running a business with your mom, which I think is incredible. But how did you decide, you and her together, that this was something that you post-graduation wanted to run?
1: That's a good question. I think, I think from the beginning, it wasn't really about the, what business it was. It, just, it was just that I wanted to be self-employed. I think, I think that realization really came when um, partly when I was 16. When I was 16, my dad got laid off in the recession. And so, that was a really hard point. And it kind of made me realize how, how volatile, is that the right word? Yeah. Volatile, vocab mm-hmm. word, <laughs> uh, the job market can be. Um, and, it, and I was like, I want to create my own job so that my family doesn't have to go through this. And, but then also my freshman year, my dad got laid off again from the college that I was at. And so with that, I lost a ton of scholarship. And so, Basically, that really instilled in me to like create my own job. I was like, I, it wasn't ever really an option to go work for someone else. I found I saw it more as like creating my own security um, mm-hmm. instead of trusting um, an employer. And so, I feel like those two experiences really shaped of, oh, this is like, this is what I'm going to do full time. Right. So, yeah. yeah.
0: That's really powerful. I feel like people have a unique relationship with money. Like everyone looks at money in a different way. And depending on what's happened to you as a child or with your parents, like there's something about the relationship with money that kind of shapes you as an entrepreneur. So I love that you shared that. Um, So a big portion of why I think you're so unique is that... I mean, there's a lot of reasons because I love you and you're one of my best Mm -hmm. friends. But um, you are like a master at learning really unique skills And one of them, one of the many is Facebook ads. And like, that was kind of one of the things that really catapulted waiting comforts forward. Would you agree? And then kind of chat about that.
1: Sure. Yeah. So definitely learning a new skill is important for like any entrepreneur. If you're trying to grow like... There's this awesome analogy of like your business is only going to grow as big as you do, or as big as the leader or the founder. And so, equipping yourself with new skills, both like technical and emotional, um, is super important. But yeah, that was like in August 2016. Yeah, 2016. I was like, I was. I had been diving into Facebook ads for like five months and I was like, I basically brought us from like three grand a month to like 10 grand a month and so, I'm, I'm there, I'm just like trying to figure out this whole Facebook ads thing because I hear all these podcasts and these blog posts like, this is the biggest thing ever and I'm like, how can I grow this before I graduate college so I can actually have a job um, and so, I hired a coach and really taught me how to market with Facebook video ads. And so we basically went from like 10 grand a month to like 50 grand a month, like like at the flip of a switch. Um and so yeah, that really brought us to the next level. We that video ended up doing like two and a half million on Facebook. Um two but and a half million views. Two and a half million views. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um But really it was it, was, it taught me about like the whole customer value journey and kind of like Telling, like creating trust with your audience and, um, like telling people about yourself if they've never heard of you before. And Mm so I think that's so important with, um, how much noise there is in the marketplace now.
0: Yeah. Okay. So there's a part of you that you and I are a lot of like, a lot of like, um, and it, how you and I first connected was you were talking to me about the Enneagram
1: Yes. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Let me get my question
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started.
0: <laughs> and you, you know, you graduated college. You went full time with this business. You grew it from three grand to what are you at now a month? Like a lot. Yeah. A lot. Top secret. Okay.
1: So you're at a I, lot. We can say like seven figs.
0: Okay. Yeah. So seven figures a month.
1: No. Oh, total. Uh, yeah, we're in like the mid seven figures this year annually.
0: Okay. So you're growing this business and you are the founder and you have, you manage a team of people and whenever you manage a team of people, you, like you said earlier, you need to emotionally grow as well, as far as skills too. How have you grown? And like, I know you're an eight on the Enneagram like me. Um, how have you grown? And then how important it is to know yourself as an entrepreneur, especially when you're leading a team.
1: Right. I think in short, yeah, how I, I've,
0: you don't have to go in short. It can I, be long.
1: <laughs> I, no, no, no. I'm going to, I'll, I'm going to go short and then I'm going to elaborate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, great.
1: <laughs> in short therapy <laughs> is a great way to grow emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through a big breakup and that was like awesome for me just to go to therapy. It grew me as a person. It grew me as a leader. But yeah, being self-aware and getting honest feedback from people is like the biggest thing that I could ever recommend to anyone because you don't know how you see yourself. Like you perceive yourself, you might perceive yourself very differently than how everyone else perceives you. Mm -hmm. And so, I have surrounded myself with very honest people. One of those people being my mom who knows me best. And so, she's going to call me out on my bullshit. And then that's just like awesome feedback for me to take home and like implement. Um, But yeah, I would also say just like personality tests. Like, I don't want to like, I know that's such a cop out, but I've I've learned so much from the Enneagram um, and how I interact with others. And so how they perceive me. Um, And so just it's always evolving like whatever the business needs like you need to grow so that the business can grow. And I think a lot of that like comes like even this year like we went from 6 to 41 employees this last year. And so like 6
0: employees to 41 employees in one year. Yeah. Wow.
1: And so with that it's like I have new systems, I have new management that I have to take care of. Like yeah. now I have a much larger system where one decision affects 40 other people like this is not just a josh go turn on a facebook ad like this is like oh i have hundreds of thousands of dollars in inventory and people's jobs are on the line like those are like those are real decisions and so as the business changes you have to change or you won't be in business for long
0: so I want to hear more about the refugee side of your business. I know that's something you're really passionate about and it's a huge part of your culture at Waiting Comforts. Talk to me about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, so we first started working with the refugee ladies in I think the summer of 2015. And so um, just for context, like when uh, – refugee or an immigrant comes from comes to the US, they often don't have the English speaking skills to get a normal job. And so, it is extremely, extremely difficult to raise a family if you're on like food stamps or if you and like you're trapped because you don't have a hard skill. And even if you do, you can't even talk to anyone to like get a good-paying job. So, yeah, at Waiting Comforts, we've been able to basically partner with Sew for Hope and since they have this hard skill of sewing, employ them and being able to um, give paid English classes on site so that they can integrate culturally. And so, that's enabled them to get off of food stamps, it's enabled them to buy nicer homes, moving out of poor areas um and really just like take care of your family and so i feel like there's a large you know just with our political climate and how it's been it's been like so stressful and like we've just called out the refugees and um the refugee community in our news and media and so i just like i just resonate with the people who work for me because at the end of the day we both just want to take care of our families and we just want to um, to live in peace. And so, yeah. So, that's like just a little bit about it.
0: Mm-hmm. It's really powerful. I didn't know that you guys did paid English yeah. classes. That's-
1: Eileen Siegel is our English teacher. Hmm. And so, she's has a ton of experience with um, specifically Arabic women, Arabic speaking women. But um, we also now have like it's kind of a large population of... Burmese, and then even some people from like Guatemala and Ethiopia.
0: So aside from leading refugees, like I could tell that the language barrier could be really difficult, but also for the people that are on your team that are English speaking, (laughs) like how has it been leading a team? You know, you're 23, you have 41 employees, like how has that been on you as far as overwhelm like for people that are listening to the show whether you're a side hustler or you you're full-time you're gonna have to at some point in time collaborate and work with other people either whether that be in a management setting or you know you're just working with someone on a contract basis in your case josh like what is it what has it been like for you and what have you learned what have your failures been like what advice can you give someone that's working with other people
1: yeah that's a great question (laughs) Man, it's really difficult coming out of college with hardly any work experience and then like all of a sudden leading people who are anywhere from 10 to 20 years older than you. And so, that's been a huge learning curve for me is just like learning how to communicate with people who who don't have the same background that you do so like maybe (laughs) like even me and my mom joke all the time like my mom isn't great at technology and so like so much of our business relies on technology and so sometimes it's hard like hey we need this done and that might take a little bit longer but my mom is also amazing at um, relationship skills like as a therapist like she (laughs) kicks my ass in (laughs) in like the area of relationships um but the advice that I would give to anyone else that would be like a side hustler, like anyone that's um, looking to manage people is just open and honest communication and having very clear expectations. And so um, I think just over, overemphasizing and communicating over Slack or in-person and just being honest and transparent is always the best policy that I've found. Mm-hmm. But, I
0: have, oh,
1: go ahead. <laughs> oh, I guess one other thing is like setting up systems mm, yeah. and just like knowing that like if you don't set up systems, you won't be able to manage anything. And so like as a creative, that's really hard for me is like, I like is like knowing that I need to do systems, even though it's the most boring thing in the world, but without it, without that structure, um, your business is going to fail. Like things will fall through the cracks. And so I don't know if you've ever read the book predictable success.
0: It's over there on my shelf. Have you read it? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it talks about like the life cycle of each business, which goes from whitewater, early it struggle, whitewater, yeah. fun, whitewater. There's treadmill, Oh, there's predictable success, treadmill, and death rattle. <laughs> <laughs> and so, basically, like that whitewater phase, like the fun phase is like when you are you don't have as many employees, you're surviving off your own cash flow. But as soon as you start growing and you have more employees, things start gro- falling through the cracks because you don't have enough systems and that's whitewater. And so, your business is really dangerous, uh, is in danger because you don't have these systems in place to catch those kinds of things like customer service like i was doing customer service for two years i should have never done customer service in the first place wait
0: you were answering customer service i was
1: oh my gosh yeah like i was in my garage when i was in my garage i was answering the customer service and like but like early on when you're in the fun stage like it's fine like you might not even be able to afford to hire someone else right but you have to know like when can i delegate um And so that I can like continue to move forward.
0: So what's it been like being in, like what stage of predictable success do you think you're in now?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I would say we are in, I would say that we're in whitewater for sure. Yeah. I would say we're in whitewater moving towards predictable success, but when you grow by like 400% in a year, like you're going to be in whitewater. And so things like managing cash, like, We are a physical product business. All my money is in fabric and beads and inventory and like knowing when to pour on more ad spend for sales and just like knowing the life cycle of your business. Like these are all very traditional things that I've had to learn. It's it's more than just, you know, selling a course online. Like like it's just a different business than what I ever learned how to do. And Mm so... You just have to equip yourself to handle those challenges.
0: I love your advice earlier about being like open and honest communication and being very transparent. You know that one of my favorite topics is vulnerability. And how do you feel like vulnerability has shaped you as a leader and as an entrepreneur?
1: So I'd say vulnerability <clears throat> was a big lesson for me about like two years ago. It was like one of the, my big... Um, parts that i've really grown and i feel like personally vulnerability like vulnerability creates relationship like that's the bottom line and so um by creating a safe space by sharing um places that you've hurt or where you're how um you're struggling it just creates this awesome um bridge between you and another person that allows them to be like Oh, I hurt like that too. Even a, like, even with my experience in the church, like Bible studies and stuff like that, like I've just found it to be the best tool for creating um, deeper, more meaningful conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the same thing goes for business. I mean, I, I would say like it also falls under like self-awareness. Like when I'm vulnerable um, and I'm being really honest with myself and my team, that's when I can really honestly look at, oh, these are the three things that I am really, really good at. Oh, these are the, th- the three things that I suck at. Mm-hmm. And so, if you continue to pretend like you're good at the bad things, uh, <laughs> you're not going to go very far. And so, just when you're honest with yourself and you're vulnerable of, um, hey, like, so, Eric, he's my operations manager. I'm like, hey, Eric, um, I'm not good at making reports and data for our inventory and sales numbers this last two weeks can you do that because you're really good at that sure great yeah i'm awesome at that awesome i can go do something else Mm -hmm. like i think that's where it really plays in is like Mm -hmm. oh i'm bad at this and so um just being able to enable other people who are have different strengths than you yeah
0: That's super powerful because sometimes my default is even if I'm bad at it, I'll try to do it just because I want to impress because I want to show people that I'm like good at it or that I can maybe take a weakness and turn it into a strength, especially whenever I know that it's still probably a weakness. Um, And I want to talk about this idea as human beings, as entrepreneurs, as online content creators, whatever, that whenever you're in a situation where you're talking with someone else or you're meeting someone else for the first time, or you're in a really difficult business situation. There's, I feel like sometimes there's comes down to these two choices. You can either try to impress them or you can try to connect. And like you talked about using vulnerability to connect and create relationship, but there's also that impress, like ego driven part of being an entrepreneur. Like how have you balanced between those two?
1: I don't know <laughs> that. I don't know. I, I never really think of things that way. I, I try to come from a place in my business when I make decisions on here are my core values. Here are the things that are important to me. These are the people that are important to me. And then I make decisions based off that. Mm-hmm. Like I very rarely think I, I, I just make decisions on based on what the business needs and if this is going to help people or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that decision is going to serve more people. And if that's going to grow the business, then I'm going to do whatever it takes ethically, obviously to make that happen. But yeah, I don't know if that quite answers your question.
0: No, it does. I mean, talk a little bit more about the importance of having core values, because I think when it comes to owning a business, we get pulled in a lot of different directions and it's, you never know when to say yes, when to say no, whenever you're getting started, there's a lot of things and opportunities coming your way. And when it comes to answering questions, or not, sorry, when it comes to making really important decisions, you need to go back to your core values. I love that you said that, but what if someone doesn't know what their core values are? Like, How do you even know what those are and then use those as a baseline when you're making tough decisions?
1: Yeah, so I would say if you don't know what your core values are, figure them out. And (laughs) um, the, the best way that I've found to figure out um, what your core values are. I actually did this with my mom. We were in, we came off a crazy year where we basically started doing like six figures a month out of our garage and we're just like exhausted. Like we just shipped out, like we shipped out like 200 blankets in one day before Christmas kind of thing. And we um, that January we fly to Boston and Airbnb in Chinatown <laughs> and we basically we go through this book, Traction, which I highly recommend. Um, And basically, what you do is you list out all the people that you look up to the most and basically list out what values or like why do you look up to these people and then you list those things out. Mm -hmm. And then by a product of elimination, you just process of elimination, you basically um, pull out like, what are those three to five things that you admire the most about people and you combine them and you write them out. Mm -hmm. And so from there, the reason we do that is because from there I can make um, decisions based off that in every facet of my business. So Mm -hmm. who's (laughs) the best? Like I just moved from UPS to FedEx because one of our core values is being effective. UPS was not being effective. They weren't picking up packages at the right time. they really weren't delivering the kind of service that our customers need, which is like right on time. And so, so we cut them off. We went to FedEx. That's the decision that we made. And so, um, even when I hire people, like I, I think to myself, okay, is this person people first? Is this person interested in putting others before themselves mm-hmm. and being a part of a service oriented business? Mm-hmm. Um, and so from there, it just like it it really brings a lot of like anxiety and stress off of decision making because mm-hmm. I can just be like, oh, this is pretty obvious that this doesn't fit my core values right now, so um, it's going to be a no. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I think it just simplifies yeah. everything.
0: I love how people focused your business is, whether that's people that work for you or your customer base. So I know we haven't talked a lot about the product other than it being a weighted blanket, but I mean. I know I've read the testimonials that you've gotten from customers and how it's helped them with anxiety, PTSD, depression, like talk about the product and kind of how that plays into your core values and how that's helped you stay mission focused.
1: Yeah. So I'd say, um, I would say for me, so first of all, I've struggled with anxiety. I wouldn't say I struggle with anxiety regularly. Like I don't have um, generalized anxiety disorder, but I definitely do um, have episodes from time to time. Um, But like right now, we're just living through a very stressful time in our society like where Amazon is delivering packages in like two hours and we have all this political and cultural unrest and just like it's just so freaking stressful just like turn on the news and like getting notifications to my phone every other second it's like everything's on the move so so fast and so for waiting comforts we really want to create this brand that when you come to the website you feel rested and when you see our facebook ad you feel like our product can really provide um, a unique sense of relaxation and ease and so, yeah, our product is has been life-changing for so many of our customers. So, like people will be like, I haven't slept in eight years and the first time I used your blanket, I slept all the way through the night. Thank you so much for making this blanket. Or um, we had a veteran who struggles with night terrors because he had a, a gunshot wound to the head in Afghanistan. And so, like he would wake up every night and these PTSD night terrors and like, be screaming and stuff and use their blanket for the first time and like could finally relax. And so being that for someone else is just like very life-giving for me because I know what it's like to struggle with anxiety. I know what it's like not to get a good night's sleep. And so to provide a product that gives them the rest that they need and that empowers them to go live their best lives is very life-giving.
0: That is so powerful. Like, I love that you're so people focused and service oriented, and that's something that you even rubbed off a lot on me. And like you've called out in me at times, (laughs) (laughs) is like, but what about the community? Like, what? Why are you doing what you're doing? It's not for you. It's for, you know, you're serving other people. And being people focused and not yourself focused is hard, especially. I think sometimes with all the options that we have and how everything is very up in the air, I think especially with millennials, we're really bad at committing to things. And I mean, I I do. I really do think that sometimes we get overwhelmed with all the choices. And so we do what's best for us and not what's best for our core values or the people around us. Like, what do you think about the way that the millennial generation does make decisions? And like, there's a lot of yes and no towards the way that we fit into today's society. But I'm just curious like what you think about it.
1: Um, I would say millennials are often way too stereotyped into this like lazy person. I think that millennials just really care about purpose and meaning in their work. And so, it's really hard. I think it can be very hard to say yes to opportunities that don't encompass um, like that dream job that Um, you had in your mind or that you had played it out to be but but yeah I've met so many millennials who are so driven and so people focused that I think it kind of offsets I think also it's just been a generational thing of like Mm -hmm. oh this generation they're they're lazy and I think it's always kind of been that way Mm -hmm. and so um, but in terms of like options and like um, all the things that like you can do I would say that you're not going to go far if you're going in like 10 different directions. One of the books that I read when I was in college was called uh, Essentialism by Greg McKeown. Have you read that book?
0: I haven't read it, but it's it's on my list.
1: Okay. It's amazing. (laughs) And so I was, I found myself in college working 80 hours a week between trying to run my biz, running cross country and track, being in a long distance relationship and student body vice president. And Oh, and an internship. It was like literally a nightmare. Like I, I would, literally go home at night and I'd go sleep for four hours and then I'd go to track practice in the morning and I'd throw up. It was horrible. (laughs) And so, like, and so, at the end of that year, I remember during finals, I, I remember walking to my classroom and just like, like leaning against the wall and then just like slightly blacking out and just like from just exhaustion from the entire semester and I took my test and then I went home and I slept for like two days straight it was horrible. Like I'd never been at a lower moment. And so, I was like, I need to make a change. And so, I read that book and basically what it says is just going um, further in one direction and just like making decisions, just like protecting the power of choice and like being able to do few things extremely well. And so, if you look at like any entrepreneur, they've like extremely successful entrepreneur, you'll see that they've done one thing extremely, extremely well. And so, yeah, I would always encourage just to do one or two things because I I know what it's like to struggle with like shiny object syndrome for sure. Mm
0: -hmm. Me too. That's the eight in us. Maybe. I don't know.
1: Maybe that is an eight thing.
0: Yeah. I'm very shiny object syndrome prone. It's bad. Yeah. But you and I had a really good conversation about a month ago and it was all about, how there's this push as an entrepreneur that you have to hustle and work like 14-hour days. Oh, and yeah. you were like, I'm not doing that. And I want to hear like the opposite side of... Like I love Gary Vee. I think he puts out <laughs> a lot of fun things in the universe. But there's this like idea that in order to have a successful business, you have to basically kill yourself and like work, you know, at crazy hours like you just said. Right. But it's not sustainable. So like how are you maintaining you know, running a million dollar company, having a social life, building things on the side? Like, how do you manage
1: that? Right. I think I just come from a place of what do I need? I guess that's kind of the question I often ask myself is, I think I I picked it up from my mom um, being a therapist is what do I need? And so, um, do I need, I think it's like just about balance. Like, what does the business need? Oh, it needs X, Y, and Z. Okay. How can I do that under 40 hours a week? Um, or, oh, uh, I'm low energy. Okay. What do I need? I need to go fuel myself with the proper nutrition and I need to be working out regularly. Um, I don't need to kill myself by going, doing two days for two weeks. But right now what I need is this, or, um, how's your social life? Uh, right now it's kind of struggling. Why don't you invite someone to, uh, go to dinner or something like that? And so, I don't know. I feel like we put ourselves in so much pressure to perform and I've definitely struggled with that at times. I think that things like Instagram and just like compare, comparison continues to push us towards this like anxiety ridden culture of like, I need to push, 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 push. push. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're not taking care of yourself, like if you're not spending time alone, if you're not filling up your cup, then you, you don't have anything to pour into others. And mm-hmm. so I would rather come from a place of my cup is full so that I can serve others better and live well.
0: That was such great advice. I just want to wrap up with saying that you have in the past two years of being your friend, like you have inspired me in so many ways and you've been a peer mentor to me. And you've challenged me, you've made me cry and (laughs) in like a great, in like a good way. But I think it's really important to have community. And you have been that for me in Nashville, along with some other really great entrepreneurs and creatives. How important is community to running a business? Like I know it is, but I just want to hear it from, from in your words.
1: Mm, Yeah. Thank you for that. Those those are super kind words. Yeah. I would say community is everything I graduated college in May and all my friends went to grad school. And so, with that, it was a very like lonely time there for like a month or two. And so, I think community shapes us to who we are. I mean, I feel like if any phrase like of like all those things that they say is like the five people that you hang out with the most... Um, you're the average of the five people you hang out with the most. And so, I'd say that's definitely true. Um, And like, so, surrounding yourself with people who um, are others focused, people that you surround yourself with that are pushing themselves to um, create a life that's worth living, that's all those kinds of things. I'd say it's super important. I guess I think of community more as like, I kind of separate, sometimes I separate business and I separate business and personal. So, when I come like to totally. so my friends from my personal life, I don't talk about business necessarily. <laughs> also, when you like, like I'm in Lewis Howell's mastermind I was out in LA when I was hanging out with, with that squad. It was like really eye opening for me of like, Oh wow, this is what's possible. And so like when you're surrounding yourself with that, those people, your awareness just, um, just yeah. heightens and you just like become more aware of like what's possible.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It has been, I don't know why we waited so long to do this. Um, But I have one more question for you. But before I ask it, I would love for you to share where people can find you on the internets.
1: (laughs) You can follow me on Instagram at Josh J. Durham. You can follow Waiting Comforts on Instagram. It's W E I G H T I N G C O M F O R T S. -S 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 I know you can spell comforts, but I thought I'd spell it out, waiting comforts. And yeah, and also on waitingcomforts.com. Perfect.
0: Well, thank you so much again. I love you. You're you're one of my favorite humans. Um, My last question for you is what does the laptop lifestyle mean to you?
1: The laptop lifestyle means serving others well, taking care of yourself well, and living the business of your dreams.